ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. afternoon. This is Chicky Fitzgerald, and we are going to be talking about velocity today. And, you know, for those of us who have been at a dead stop pretty much for the last 18 months, having a velocity mindset is absolutely necessary for restarting. So the book we're going to be talking about today is called The Velocity Mindset, and the author is Ron Carr, and Ron is here with us today. Hi, Ron. Hi, Chick. How are you today? I am doing great. We uh, are going to have just a super conversational interview, as I told you ahead of time. Uh, This book is about how leaders eliminate resistance, gain buy-in, and achieve better results faster. And, you know, as as I mentioned, and I know I don't need to remind everyone, uh, you know, the last 18 months have been uh, just broadly the most challenging that most people have faced in their in their adult lifetime. And some of us who are entrepreneurs have faced it multiple times, but uh, this one had had some unique characteristics. And so I am really, really interested in hearing about the book. But before we do that, I would love to hear your backstory, Ron, not, not necessarily your, your LinkedIn bio, but who is Ron Carr and, and why did you write this book and who did you write it for? That's a great question. So um, I've been a uh, sales and leadership expert for the last 30 years, helping cl- clients build their businesses, working with the C-suite, making sure everybody's on the same page and then looking at what they need to do, whether they're going after a targeted piece of business or just increasing market share. And um and before that, I had a 10-year sales and management career in the computer industry, where I uh, basically uh, got my sales experience, the school of hard knocks. So who, so who is Ron Carr? Ron Carr is a complex individual, um, an individual that grew up with some adversity as a child and had to learn how to navigate that, both in terms of bullying because of a speech impediment and also lack of confidence because of a very strict household that um, let's just say was not favorable to bring up the best confidence in a young man. So I had to go into, uh, so I started my adult life with a lot of uh, stories that we talk about in the book and beliefs that were limiting me. And I got through a lot of those, but we all have stories and beliefs that limit us. I mean, anytime someone says something to us, we then immediately translate into what we think they're saying and we create a story about that. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're right and sometimes they're wrong. But it's those stories that we have to take a, uh, a pulse on to make sure they're serving us well. So I was president of the National Speakers Association in 2013 and 14. And after I gave up the uh, gavel, I had a series of nine operations in three years, mostly on my back. And I had half my back fused. So while I was down for a big period of time, you start reflecting on your life. And I started looking at all the things I achieved, which was quite a few. But then I also looked at the things that I didn't get done. And when I asked myself why, it was again, because of fears and stories and things that just got in my way of velocity and going forward. 
So um, I was doing a speech in, um, in uh, Texas and I brought a video guy down there because we were rebranding at the time. And I, and I was getting tired. I was known as a sales trainer, but I did more. You know, I was a keynote speaker. I was uh, in leadership and I was just getting bored with the, with the positioning. And so he uh, take my keynote and then he called me up and he goes, I know what your brand is. And I go, what? He goes, velocity mindset. <laughs> and it hit me between the eyeballs. And I said, well, how'd you get that? He goes, you got it. That's all you talk about. You don't realize it. Wow. And I started going back in materials from the last 10 years. So number one, it is what I've been talking about. It's what drove me and how to help my clients. But then it took on a personal nature when I was going through those surgeries because um, you know, at that time I was about to approach 60, I'm 64 now. So when you're getting to the latter part of your life, you start looking at, you know, did I make a difference? What did I do? And if I didn't do certain things, what held me back? And I realized that, Hey, I don't like being in this position, but I don't want anybody else to be in that position. So, Hey, I had a tremendous passion for this next phase of my life to get things done, but to also help people get things done. And that, um, and so we get into issues like, how do we create a destiny that makes sense? How do we uh, you know, deal with the stories and the fears that hinder us? But also, how do we look at the neuroscience of, of how to gain buy-in from people? And what does it take and what does it look like? Because you know, as um, leaders, and it's called you know, the velocity mindset, how leaders can eliminate risk, gain buy-in, and achieve better results. Well, to me, a leader is everybody. Salespeople are definitely leaders because they lead people through a sales process. Um, right. You can have a title, but not everybody has a title is actually a good leader. The premise for the book really was, what would the world look like if everybody acted as a leader and not as a victim? Right. Well, I love your previous book, which was Lead, Seller, Get Out of the Way, Seven right. Traits of Great Sellers. So I'm sure that that had some, some uh, impact as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. It did. Um, so you brought up an interesting point. Um, you mentioned, you know, the last 18 months was a big shakeup for everybody. It was unique. Well, what the last 18 months did for all of us, and that's the, what, how we start the book at, is how do you create your destiny? And when the lockdown started happening and all of us had our world shook upside down, a lot of us started questioning our destiny. Mm-hmm. What am I really looking to do? You know, what am I really after? And then we started making some big moves. A lot of people started moving out of New York. They started moving to Florida. And so we all started reassessing not only what we want to do, but how we do it. Right. So that's why this is a good time for this book. It's going to help people gain that process and how they can figure it out and move forward. Well, I think the interesting thing is if we were having this discussion 18 months ago, um, my interview would have taken a very, very different path, right? Uh, even though the, the, the content is still the same because eliminating resistance, the resistance we face now is that everyone is trying to, to regroup. And just this morning, I was looking, one of our clients, uh, and I'm a tech CEO uh, by day, the, the radio show is something I've been doing for 15 years just because I love it, right? And I love helping authors get their books out because that's not an easy uh, task. But one of our clients uh, is the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. And I don't think anybody would have believed, uh, you know, when the lockdown first happened, that it would be a full year before they would have their first concert, even with a partial audience. Right. right? 
And, you know, I was, I was trying to put myself in their shoes because uh, quite frankly, I haven't been able to get in touch with them uh, during this time. And I wasn't sure whether they were working or they were laid off or, you know, what happened because we had been out of touch. And, and so eliminating resistance isn't just eliminating resistance on my side, but really trying to put myself in, in their shoes, yeah. right? Because I don't have to gain buy-in. They've already, they're already using our product, but achieving better results is, is another question. So, you know, you and I have so much in common, and I didn't realize this uh, before we started. I mean, first of all, I look at some of your background and although you say, uh, you know, you work with tech companies, I also see a bunch of travel smattered in there. Uh, uh, rental car and, and um, you know, working for Marriott. And I have been in travel technology my entire adult life. So, uh, and we're very similar in age. And, and I think, you know, the, the experience that uh, comes from all of the life things that we've had to face, right? We've lived through wars and rumors of war. And, you know, I mean, we've lived through other pandemics, although none of us would have really been able to even said what we were doing, uh, you know, during SARS or the bird flu. I mean, I happen to know about it because it impacted the travel industry, right? You know, nothing like this past year. But the, the interesting thing is I too had a health uh, crisis where I was on my back for three months recovering. This was about um, more than 10 years ago. And I had the same epiphany that you did is kind of the, is this all there is? And, and leaving a legacy isn't just making sure the house is paid off so the kids don't have a burden when we're gone, right? I mean, it really is leaving a legacy. So we have shifted, I have shifted personally, not only over the last 18 months, but the last 10 years of really trying to figure out how to give back. Uh, so let's dive right into the book. And you start out by talking about finding the right mindset and actually becoming a great leader. And, and so sales and leadership, I, I want to talk first about that, Ron, because I will tell you one of my greatest frustrations in my current venture is that the investment community expects the founder to be the best salesperson. And while sales skills can be learned and, you know, leadership is a very important part of sales, um, do you believe that everybody can become a great salesperson? So you asked a, a lot of good questions in that one question. <laughs> uh, so number one, I do believe the founders are the best salespeople, but they're saying that for one reason. They're saying it because you have the most passion for it, you offer and and that passion sells and so when people hear the passion and then it just has a huge impact so that's why they say it if you look at some of the bigger corporations like in the past the rock stars like lee iacocca from chrysler jack wells from ge they were the main salespeople, meaning they were the face of the company in yeah. the advertising and all that and i'm always telling my clients the ceos if you have a pension for speaking go and start giving industry presentations, not about a sales pitch for your company, but about the problems that are happening and giving us some ideas because that's the best way to attract business and you become a thought leader. Mm -hmm. If you're not feeling comfortable in speaking, then you may not want to do that. But that's why the investors, you know, are saying that. So the, to your question, can anybody be a great salesperson? The answer is yes. I mean, we're not all going to do it the same way. 
because of the different personalities and traits. But I think that if you go in to a sale, not worried about yourself like most people are, which is self-focus, because then you're going to do the wrong actions. But if you go in this customer-focused and you take the order to pause, which we talk about in the book before you make a call, you know, what does success look like for this call? You get grounded in what your purpose is, then you'll do the right things in the sales call. But what happens is we just make calls for the sake of making calls, it's task-oriented, and it becomes more self-focused. And then, you know, uh, when I ask you, when you think about the velocity, what's the first word that comes to your mind? And it is? Speed. Speed, right. Well, a lot of people do a lot of speed doing through their tasks, making the calls, but at the end of the day, they say, what did I accomplish? And they feel burnt out. So speed alone is not velocity and leads to burnout. It's right. speed with direction. Right. So if you want to be a good salesperson, ground yourself in what the outcomes are. And the outcomes are helping people get to a better result. Mm-hmm. So that leads, if I'm going to help them, then maybe I need to ask them what they're looking to achieve. Maybe I need to find out what the challenges are in getting there. And then when I hear that, then I can tailor specifically what I have to offer and it will be heard with much more power. So that's really the change, you know, are you customer focused versus self focused? Mm -hmm. And are you being there and you're grounded in your, in what you want the outcomes to be? So yes, anybody can do it. What we look for, by the way, is, is the trait of empathy when we advise clients and who to hire for leaders or salespeople. If they don't have a high degree of empathy, then they're likely not to ask questions. Got it. Well, you've you've mentioned several times the dealing with limited thoughts. And and you know, I mean, I can tell you right away, mine is that I don't love sales. Right. And and anytime I am told that I have to do something that I don't like, I mean, think about asking our kids to do things that they don't like. It it becomes the last thing that they do. So- you're right. And, and so there's a, there's, a, there's a psychological thing. So in the book, we take people through three hormones. The first is cortisol. Cortisol is our fight or flight hormone. It's in us. We don't get rid of it. What we teach people in the book is if you're going to be influential, whether with an employee or a customer, the first thing you have to do is create an environment so they want to talk with you. So you have to understand the environment you're going into. So if I picked the phone call, the phone up and I called you, Chick, as, as the CEO of your company, right? And you're not expecting my call, let's say. I'm an interruption, right? Now, you're in the middle of your day. You're trying to do things. You got deadlines. And, you know, cortisol is on a range of one to ten. One and two, you're lightly engaged. Four to five, you're really engaged. Start getting to six, you start getting a little agitated. Seven, eight, you're checking out. Right. If I called you right now and I interrupted your day, where would you call? I need to know me. Where would your call also be? <laughs> I'd be irritated. If yeah, right, right up there, right? Yeah. And if all I did went into a sales pitch about me and what I can offer, you'd, it'd go even up more, right? Yes. So the first thing we have to do is lower the cortisol to get you to be able to have a conversation with me. So what we teach people to do is you say, hey, is this a good time? And it's, yes, so look, I know I'm, I'm interrupting you today, but I just need to ask you an important question so that we can see if this is gonna work for both of us. As you go into the post you know, uh, COVID situation, what is success gonna look like for you this year? And what are some of the challenges you're running into? What we found when you ask that one simple question, 
is the chemistry in the brain changes. They no longer think you're trying to sell them. They're going into their world and right. they start opening up and they give you the information. So that's how we do to influence others. To go back to your point about the stories, it's the same thing. When we tell ourselves stories, like I'm a lousy salesperson, all of a sudden your cortisol is going up <laughs> because it's something you detest. Yeah. And then well, I never said I was a lousy salesperson. I said no, I no, don't no, love no, it. No, no, no. I, I have been very successful in sales. Excuse me. Let me rephrase it. Yeah. If you don't like sales and I say you need to sell, your cortisol is going up. Right, right. All right. So it's the same thing. You know, like I said, you can't be a leader of others if you can't be a leader of yourself. So how can you rephrase that? So the cortisol comes down a little bit and you're willing to entertain the concept. Mm -hmm. I'd rephrase it like if you don't like sales, then maybe it's not about you picking the phone up. But what about the sales process do you like? Like, for example, I will not cold call. I hate that. Um, and it's a, it's a slow road to China. And, um, but I know what I'm good at. I know if I get someone interested to have a conversation with me, then that's the part of the sales process I want to be in because I excel in that. I know how to open them up. I know how to get them to talk about their issues. And I know how to get value in that conversation for them where they thought that they did not waste their time. So I would just ask you and anybody else, what part of the sales process do you like and how can you leverage that to get to where you want? Now you're in high tech. So one of the things that, you know, we're always asked to address is how do you make um, technical, um, the tech experts who go out in the field, salespeople. That's what a lot of companies want to do. And, and they're the ones who the first ones are going to run away from sales because they're usually reserved individuals, you know, they don't want to put themselves out there. Uh, and so I'm telling CEOs, you're looking at it from the wrong prism. What, it, what What's the value of a tech person? They go out there and they, they solve problems, right? Who do they talk to? They talk to people and they get the attention of people, salespeople wish they got the attention of. So instead of trying to make them salespeople, why don't you teach them a couple of questions to ask? Like when they're out there, and ask them at the point that they care, because tech people care. And you say, hey, you know, I'm solving this problem for you, but on a bigger scale, you know, what are some of the other challenges you guys are working on? Right. Let me see if we can help you. They uncover that information. Then they can feed that to the account managers who can then go in and find opportunities to help solve those problems. So don't, we don't have to make people think that they have to sell but everybody can play a big part of it if they leverage their strengths. Right, right. So talk to me about the psychology of influence. I'm intrigued by that. Well, it goes back to that cortisol scenario. Um, it, it, it is, how do you get someone's attention? So I remember we were, I was brought in by a, a well-known financial services company. They knew the numbers. It took five calls to get a new investor online and they want to shorten it. And so their salespeople, and they knew their market. They didn't want active traders. They wanted conservative traders who give the one-man offices or one-woman offices their, prof, their uh, portfolio. And they, they just come back every quarter to review the results. So they needed that right investor. So they would cold call on retiree homes. And I followed them. I went on a couple of those cold calls. And I saw in the outskirts of Chicago, they walked into this nice home. And the investment advisor was spending 12 minutes talking about the pictures on the wall of the grandkids 
and the bears and all that. And I can see the eyes rolling in the, right. in the husband and wife, even though they were polite. And they weren't getting it. And then they started talking about stocks and bonds. What most salespeople make the mistake is, you know, for influence, you got the heart and you got the mind. Your product is the how you do something. It's not the what. Right. The what is the outcome. The outcome is what gets the emotional attention of someone in the heart. Talking about your products and services takes them to the mind to assess. Mm -hmm. So what this person was doing was he was going to straight to stocks and bonds. He was going straight to the mind. He had no emotional connection and he bored him to death for 12 minutes. So we went outside and I said, look, here's what I want you to do. Cut the chit chat down to 30 seconds and just say this, look, I know you already have an advisor. That's not the reason I'm here. I'm here about the future. Can I ask you a question? They'll say yes. When it comes to your financial future, what are the three things you're looking to achieve? So when they started doing that, all of a sudden I saw a unique thing. And this was in like 2000, 2001. All of a sudden the people's eyes rolled up and there was a pause. And then they started giving the information. And so we kept doing it and it kept working. And so we, uh, we the client brought in some of their top uh, clients. They signed waivers knowing that they were gonna be filmed. And we, we saw on camera how the eyes rolled up. And when that happened, the brain chemistry changed when you go from me to you, what you're trying to do. So when the neuroscience started coming out, you know, I worked together with a with a Scott Halford, who has a PhD in neuroscience, and he helped me put it together. And then he thinks I'm the one who's brilliant because he never saw anybody put it together in terms of sales and influence. <laughs> but it's those three hormones. When I when I switch the conversation to what are you trying to do, all of a sudden you pause, your eyes go up. And when I do this on stage, I interview people. I said, "What happened right at that moment? There was a change." And they go, "Well, yeah, you know, all of a sudden I start." thinking about, I don't want to buy something and whatever. And they started getting lost in where they wanted to go, which then lowered their stress. And then they started giving some information. Like they started naming the three things they want to achieve. And so I said, wow, okay. So that's the uh, oxytocin. Oxytocin is the love hormone, but it's also the hormone of trust. If you didn't start building a little bit of trust, they would never share those three things. Now, figure this out. They built that trust without even telling anything about themselves. They just asked the question, what are the three things you want to do? And then all of a sudden they started, well, he's interested in me. I'm going to share. He's developed my trust because he's here for me. Right, right. And then they start feeling good about it. So then they get the dopamine effect. This is not going to waste my time. Right. So we shortened the sales cycle from five calls to three. Imagine what kind of velocity they gained in the sales process. Hmm. Now, does it take a long time to do it? No. They brought me in. I was in town, you know, working with the executives. And they said, we got a class in of advisors with four to seven years experience. Can you do a one hour at the end of the day? I said, sure. I did the one hour and exactly what we just talked about. We all stayed in the same hotel. That night at 11 o'clock, one of the advisors called me and apologized for waking me up. And he goes, look, I got to share this. I, I went and called two widows. Both were widowed for six months. Both had 100 grand. And I couldn't get them to pull the switch. And I called them up. And I said, look, I have to apologize. And they said, what? I said, I've been having the wrong conversations with you, I realized. 
And I didn't ask you the most important question, do you mind if I do? And they both said, yes. And they went to the question, forget about what you're doing now. When it comes to the future, what are the three most important things? One widow committed the funds that phone call. And the other one gave him a meeting to come back in. That's how fast it can happen. And that's how significant it is. So how important, you know, what, what you've just talked about is, is being able to get out of yourself, to put your product and your solution aside, which, you know, I, I do really get that. Um, and, and then really changing your focus, right? Because unless you change your focus, you can't convince them uh, that you're about anything but, you know, closing the deal. Right. So tell me about the importance of focus as a part of getting this mindset, uh, not only the right mindset for you, but setting the stage for success with the person you're talking to. So focus is really important. And, and the one thing we all face with daily is our emotions, okay? And we, we, we are emotional junkies. <laughs> you know, anything happens and all of a sudden we become emotional, whether it's good, bad, and different or whatever. And emotion sometimes is good. It could drive you. Sometimes it can stop you. So, you know, we all have pressures. We've got to pay mortgage payments. We've got to do this. So it's very easy to say, oh, I'm going to make a phone call. Oh, I need new business. I got to close this business. Oh, well, that's an example where your emotion is taking away your focus because now you're going to become self-focused in the call and it's not going to go the way you want. So what we say is pause before you make the call and ask yourself, what is the outcome you really want? Now, you have to be real. If you know that it takes five calls usually to close a deal, then saying the outcome for the first call is to close this customer, that's the wrong outcome. Right. Because that's not going to happen, but yet it's going to lead to actions where you're going to be closing and talking too much. So that's why it's so important to be grounded in what you really want to accomplish. If you know the first call is to get their attention to really what is the outcome of the first call? is to qualify them as a legitimate prospect and identify the path forward. That's your outcome. And when you ground yourself on that and focus on that, then you'll do the right actions. That's how important that is. So Ron, you know, you talked about destiny and, and really understanding. And as, as a salesperson, if you've been hired to generate sales for your company, you know, that's, that's your role. I don't think that any salespeople that I know would equate that with destiny. So how do we get to this place where we are laying out the bigger picture? And, and well, what does that look like? You know, you well, talk about starting with a clean sheet of paper uh, and that you don't have to have all of the answers. What, what is the secret there? So destiny is where do you want to go? Whether it's on a sales call, whether it's in your life. So one of the things when I'm brought in by clients, like uh, one of my greatest success stories was uh, working with a multinational chemical manufacturer who, um, made, a, who made reagents. They, it took them 20 years to, to create this product. And when they brought it out, sales shut up like that because they cut in half the cost of mining copper and they saved a lot of copper mines from going bankrupt. But then you make a lot of money, your competition sees that, so they re-engineer, they come out with their stuff, not as good as yours, but right. then sales go down and it becomes a price battle. We all know that drill, right? So they brought me in because the largest consumer of, uh, the largest copper mine was now, mines was going up for bid. And the way that industry always bid, 
always bought was a bid every three years for lowest price. So they brought me in. And um, they had a big meeting the following week with their sourcing team that is already telling them that the quality stinks and that out of three vendors, they're the worst, which was not, they were just BSing them. And when I started the meeting, I said, what do you want as a result of my intervention? And they said, we want to win the bid. I said, that was not the question I asked. <laughs> they said, what do you mean? You're answering that question based on how you know the past, based on your biases and your experiences. And if all you do is take that into account when you create the destiny, all you're going to do is recreate the past again. Right. But if you really want to break through that glass ceiling, I want to hear your passion about what you really want to achieve. Forget about what you think is possible or not. So that's a clean piece of paper. Write down truly what you want to achieve. So they started coming out. They said, why do we have to bid? We saved this industry. I said, so what do you want? We want a negotiated agreement. I said, okay. For how long? The life of the patents, 10 years. You got 25% of the demand. How much do you want? 75%. So let me just repeat what you just said. You want them not to bid anymore like they always do. You want them to give you a negotiated deal for 10 years, 75% um, of the demand. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. Then I said, you can do that if you really want to, but you have to understand it takes a different set of actions to get there right. than it does to win a bid. And then they asked me the question, well, how are we going to do it? And I said, I have no clue. <laughs> and they looked at me and said, are you nuts? And I said, no, <laughs> let me explain. Let me explain. I have no clue because we haven't gotten into it yet. Right. But I do, my intuition is telling me you're not even doing 5% of what we're going to get into. So I know there's a lot of room to get close to it. We may not get there exactly. But it starts with our mindset first. Right. 18 months later, they were awarded a 10-year, $200 million contract. Negotiated. Wow. Now, the thing that they had to deal with in the beginning with me is we didn't know how to do it. We didn't have the answers. The things that I'm trying to share with people, if you're really going and reaching big, you're not going to have the answers up front on how to do it. If you do, then you're just recreating the past. Exactly. Well, and, and you talked with them about, you know, problem solving with the end in sight is what, what gets in our way because we do have a set of uh, facts that we're right. dealing with. And, you know, I can see this in every conversation I've ever had about sales with anyone. So at the same time, Ron, I will tell you that one of my gifts is my intuition. And quite often, people will discount intuition. What role do you believe intuition uh, huge. plays? In huge. And I wasn't always like that because I'm a hardcore business guy. Uh -huh. And there was a woman in my NSA chapter in the early 90s who was, a, who was an intuition expert. And I'm like, oh, this is all fluff, you know? And she's like, uh -huh. you know, telling me. But it stayed with me. And as I studied it more, what is really intuition? It's your gut. And what does your gut tap into? Your unconscious. Mm -hmm. And your unconscious is a combination of everything you know the world to be, your experiences, everything you want it to be, everything you think you're willing to do, not willing to do, and all that good stuff. The problem with the intuition is we don't trust it. Right. 
And how or do you we know? don't think other people would right. trust? Them. Right. Well, no, we, me, anybody, individually, we sure. don't trust our own intuition. So we have to get comfortable, listen, trust, and act on our on our intuition. But how do you know it's your intuition? Like I said, you got the heart and you got the mind. When I ask people, what is your gut telling you? That answer should come to you immediately and it should come here from the chest. Right. If it doesn't, you haven't tapped into your intuition. You're going straight to your mind trying to assess. So let me give you a real life example. Um, when COVID hit, I said, okay, my speaking calendar is gone. What am I going to do? I have consulting, I'm going to do that. I'm going to double down. Let me write the book finally and let the book come out, which is out now. So when COVID's over, we'll be riding the wave. So I, I did everything I visualized I would do. But then something unexpected happened. Um, we were at the end of September and I also decided because of COVID, let me move to Florida now. I can play golf all year round. Why do I have to wait till I'm 70? Well, you know, so let me take, I was walking my talk basically. Signed the lease at the end of September for an apartment in Fort Lauderdale for number one. Then after I signed the lease, my intuition started talking to me and said, you know, you've had this heart member all your life and it's been getting tighter and tighter in the echoes. Maybe you want to go for one more echo before you go to Florida because you may not go. That was my intuition talking to me. And I said, nah, you don't know what you're talking about. And I said, dude, if you're going to write this stuff in a book, you better walk your talk. Absolutely. So I called the cardiologist up, had the echo, and he pulled the fire alarm. He goes, you need an emergency surgery right now. You can't wait. It's too tight. You won't survive. Wow. And within three weeks, I was wheeled into the operating room to have my aorta valve replaced. I'm doing great now, man. My best cardiac shape I've been in my entire adult yeah, life. Yeah, you look great. You know, but that's how intuition works. Uh -huh. And it's not fighting it. It's like learning how to trust it and knowing it's coming from yeah. down here. Yeah. Does it always work? No, because intuition is also based on some of the information that you need to have. But... Right, right. Well, so the, the first piece we've talked about is finding the right mindset. And that's not only your mindset, but getting the other person in, in the right mindset to receive, right? And then creating our destiny by visualizing it and also uh, really focusing on purpose versus task and really embracing intuition and not problem solving necessarily with the end in sight and just dealing with past facts. But what I really want to talk about is, as we wrap this up, Ron, is achieving alignment. Because, you know, when you talked about the five calls, uh, for us and in, in my company, we are selling technology, but we're selling a product uh, that is actually as easy to plug in or configure and plug in as a YouTube video. And we don't actually charge for it. We actually revenue share back with our clients. So a lot of the things that would normally be part of those five steps uh, you know, are removed because people don't have budget decisions, et cetera. But I will tell you that achieving alignment, I think is the number one thing, whether it is taking two calls, three calls, four calls, right? The larger the client, obviously, the longer it's going to take. But if we can learn how to achieve alignment, right, and, and really plug in and really get in the right mindset to understand where our clients are going, it seems to me like we can shorten that cycle and get to achieving alignment uh, with velocity, right? So 
talked to me, we've talked about leadership. And again, you don't always talk about leadership and sales in the same breath. So the art of leadership and leveraging that, and then moving forward to execute the strategy, right? Which is all about velocity. Talk to me about that. So uh, I'll give an example from a leadership standpoint that will clearly talk about alignment. And it's the same thing in sales. So I was in a, one of my retainer client's office, the CEO's office, and a supervisor comes in from the manufacturing floor and he's really upset. And uh, I said, what's wrong? He goes, oh, this person's so late on a project, it's holding us up. I said, why is he late? He's on a cell phone. I said, what'd you do? I told him to get off the damn cell phone. What did he do? He goes, why? Everybody else is on a cell phone. I said, what'd you do? I got upset. Then what happened? We both walked away. I said, how did that serve you? <laughs> I said, is the issue the cell phone? The issue is not the cell phone. The issue is that he's late. So how can you change the conversation so he wants to go with you? So what does he want to do? He wants to become a master welder. What does it take? Quality and time, timeliness. How's his quality? Great. And he's late now. Yes. Just go to him and say, hey, you want to be a master welder, right? He goes, yeah. You know, you need two things, timeliness and uh, quality. Quality is phenomenal. Here, we're just a little 20 minutes behind. What do you think we can do to get you back on track? And all of a sudden, the guy became engaged and started giving ideas. When he gives the ideas, he's going to do it. Yep. So the key to alignment in sales, leadership, it's influence. Let's put it influence. It could be your kids, your significant other. The key to alignment is finding out what they're trying to accomplish and aligning with what you're trying to accomplish. And have both of you, that alignment is a little higher than where both of you are right now because you're both trying to get to somewhere. That's alignment. And that's how you do that. Excellent. So, you know, what you've just said is that communication really sits at the heart of leadership, right? And, and that, that skill, right? To me, that is the core skill of a salesperson and really knowing how to pace uh, and how to get to that alignment quickly, which is, is perhaps why I have the, the past or the lack of passion uh, for the sales process because I'm too impatient with it, right? Because uh, sales requires a level of patience, which you know isn't on your list of things, right? Great velocity because patience and velocity, you know, seem to be at well. Work, sales right? require patience, but, but I think people are not selling fast enough because they're not doing the right process. Right. I'm not patient, um, so I think you can still speed it up. The bottom line, though, is if the time is not right for the person to do it, they won't. Because you can have all the right arguments you want, but time has to be a, the right factor. Right, right. So uh, again, we have been talking about the velocity mindset, how leaders eliminate resistance, gain buy-in, and achieve better results faster. Ron, this has been really enlightening, and especially because I'm I'm right at the you know, the decision point of how to re-energize my company. We need velocity more than anything. Our product is done. Uh, you know, we've got 500 targets, uh, you know, that are in our CRM system, but I need to build a team back up, right? And so this is going to be required reading, right, for the people that I do bring in. 
and, and really understanding that the sales process is way more important even than them understanding what our product does, right? So you have uh, really helped me out personally today, Ron. Uh, this book provides, uh, just as Jay said on the cover of the book, an extraordinary roadmap for leadership and giving you a fresh practical and motivational perspective. Because uh, you know, when we look backwards at the challenges we've faced in the last 18 months, it's really easy to get discouraged. I can tell you in the travel and events industry, which I rely on uh, to be healthy in order to have a demand for my product, um, you know, it's been challenging. So I am going to change my mindset and I know it begins with me. Excellent. Well, I appreciate the opportunity and you enlightened me too through your questions today. So thank you very much. <laughs> Ron, how do people get in touch with you or best follow you if, if they are interested in learning more beyond just reading the book? So um, the website is roncar.com and car is spelled K-A-R-R. Um, they can also go to velocitymindset.com if that's what they remember. Um, and we have various pages on there. We also have a chief revenue officer mastermind group that we oh, run, yeah. which is for executives like you that are looking to uh, build high-performing uh, cultures. And, oh, wow. Uh, well, we need to talk about that offline. I, I, have, uh, I have some ideas as well. So yeah, give uh, me I, a would love, yeah, I would love to explore that further with you. Well, Ron, it has just been delightful. Thank you so much for your time on a, on a Friday afternoon. And uh, if you need any insights about Florida, I'm your gal. I am absolutely in love with this state and uh, couldn't be happier about the choice we made 20 years ago. Uh, I look forward to seeing you down there. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the West Coast, not so much the East Coast. But, I understand. Uh, but anyway, uh, I am happy to be a resource for you. You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas, inspiration, innovation with Chickie Fitzgerald. Like what you just heard? Visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business.